Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. The FT. On a brisk stroll homeward from the Financial Times office in the South London borough of Southwark, a sharp-eyed colleague pointed out to me that something was amiss with the new red brick house that had appeared as if overnight on a main road. It looked too new. The colours were not quite right. It somehow lacked gravitas or distinction. I had been preparing to walk straight past it, but my colleague was right. That's not a house, I said. It's probably a work of contemporary art. That's always a dangerous joke to make in London, and so it proved. The house was Alex Chinek's A Pound of Flesh for 50p, a life-sized building made from 8,000 wax bricks, which is scheduled slowly to melt away into nothingness over the coming weeks. The drippy domus is, apparently, an homage to an old candle-making factory on the site. It's commissioned by the Merge Festival, a celebration of heritage and art in the Bankside area, which runs until October the 19th, by which time Chinek's waxwork will have well and truly waned. The event is full of further cultural japes. There's a piece by the Taiwanese-American artist Candy Chang called Sidewalk Psychiatry, in which phrases you might have heard from your therapist does it have to do with your childhood? Do you think that went well? are scrawled on local pavements with stencils and chalk. The work, it will surprise no one, originated in New York. There's more. How about Fractured Visions, a show of photographs by Tamiko Teal, which explore the fragility of human vision? Or the installation Dance Machines by Leipzig-based Britain Peter William Holden, in which tap-dancing robots bring a disused building to life with a symphony of rhythms and taps? Now this is not the Southwark I knew when I joined the FT back in the mid-1990s. Before Shakespeare's Globe, before Tate Modern, there was little in the way of cultural discourse going on in the desolate streets. You had to cross the river into the city of London to try out that new-fangled craze from Italy, the Café Latte. And if you spotted a tap-dancing robot trying out his moves in a disused building on the way back, you at least knew that someone had laced it with a Class A hallucinogen. The good old days, which were, of course, the bad old days. The urban fabric of Southwark, and indeed much of London, has been much transformed for the better. First came the café lattes, then the pizzerias, an upscaled Victorian pub or two, vaulting property prices, and finally contemporary art, that imprimatur of slickness, sophistication and rising affluence. The received wisdom is that we're incomparably richer as a result of these advances. Art stimulates brains and economies. Win-win. But take a closer look at all the above works. A house that melts, snippets from the dialogue of psychic collapse, the enfeebled visions of humankind, the humanoid machine taking over the fabric of the city. These are not celebrations so much as signs of a nervous breakdown. Of course, contemporary art deals in the puzzling tropes of the avant-garde. It's designed to subvert and provoke, to make you see the world in entirely new ways. That's all well and good when the artistic avant-garde is a relatively small and closed affair, the province of an intellectual elite debating with itself over what art could and should be. 
But when the avant-garde becomes part of mass culture, a paradox in itself, it's more problematic. Art used to serve the city. It glorified its possibilities. The city was a beacon of growth and jobs, a hive of frenetic and productive human activity that could bring people together in a peaceful and vital way. And its art and architecture, the Parthenon, the Capitol, the mosques of Isfahan, the palaces of Beijing, celebrated that very fact, unequivocally, without recourse to playful complication. We're in danger of replacing urban decay with urban disorientation. The modern city is confusing. The messages received by its citizens are multi-layered, lacking in clarity, unconfident. The positive spin on this is that we are all so culturally sophisticated that we can absorb these conflicting signals without thinking. Art opens our minds and hearts so that we become more tolerant, more imaginative in our dealings with each other. But economic realities being what they are, it risks having the opposite effect. If art glorifies nothing but its own smart ways, people will lose faith in it. Are we in the mood to celebrate flux and fluidity of meaning when what millions yearn for is security and certitude? Earlier this week, a Banksy mural appeared in Clacton-on-Sea, whose formerly Conservative MP has defected to the UK Independence Party, prompting a by-election. It showed a group of pigeons wielding anti-immigration slogans, such as Go Back to Africa, and pointing them towards a more exotic bird. Any follower of the artist would have recognised the satirical intent, but many concerned citizens evidently didn't, complaining to the council that the mural was offensive and racist. It was duly removed by officials, who also failed to recognise the work's provenance. We would obviously welcome an appropriate Banksy original on any of our seafronts and would be delighted if he returned in the future, said a slightly desperate statement from the council. But Clacton missed the moment. The art sailed over their heads. It's gone forever because people didn't get it. Call for the sidewalk psychiatrist. There's a dysfunctional relationship in the air. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts.